You're listening to the Crypto Markets Wiki podcast, brought to you by John Lothian News. I'm Matt Rabel, editor with John Lothian News. Today, we're going to be speaking with Scott Freeman, co-founder and partner of JST Capital. Scott Freeman is the co-founder and partner of JST Capital, a financial services firm based in New Jersey that specializes in the digital asset market. Before then, he worked for Bank of America as a managing director, worked as an attorney with the Federal Reserve Bank of New York and Manhattan District Attorney's Office, and co-founded Tachyon Capital Management, a quantitative hedge fund based in New York City. He has over 20 years of experience running financial services businesses, and recently he has transitioned into the digital asset market. We have him here from New Jersey. Scott, welcome to the program. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So to start out, I wanted to ask, can you tell me how you first became acquainted with the world of digital assets? Sure. Um, I was a partner at a quantitative hedge fund in 2014. We were approached by one of the early protocols or, or projects in crypto, and they asked us to help them to provide a secondary market in their token. Um, for us, we didn't know anything about crypto, but luckily I was working with some um, seriously uh, talented quants and technologists. And we rolled up our sleeves, and within a few months, we were making markets in one of the protocols. And that got us into, into crypto very early. Hmm. Um, we then continued to run our hedge fund, continued to dabble in crypto. And then in 2017, when crypto really started to take off and the, the whole ecosystem gained a lot of energy, um, we decided to close the hedge fund. And at that point, I decided to focus full-time on crypto, really evolving my, my career. I've always kind of enjoyed building businesses using technology. So I partnered with my um, good friend, Todd Rackus, who I'd grown up with. And Todd has about 20 years of experience in finance as well. And he's based in Singapore. So we started JST in January of 2018 to be a financial services company in the crypto space. What made you want to start a company for digital asset training? Todd and I both enjoy finance. We both enjoy building businesses. Um, I like build, getting involved in businesses that are in a growth trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the finance in particular has had a tough tough few years. Um, I also like businesses that have a lot of volatility. Um, so we were able to kind of leverage our skill set and take that skill set and apply it to a market that we saw a lot of growth opportunity and we thought we'd have some fun building it. And by that time, we were also starting getting in, started to get inbound inquiries from clients who were saying, you know a little bit about crypto, can you help? And mm-hmm. so all those things came together and decided to, to give it a go. What would you say is the one thing more than any other that those transitioning from traditional finance to the digital asset industry should avoid at all costs? There's a, probably a couple um, answers here. Yeah, no, how long do we have to answer that question? <laughs> no, I think well, we made a concerted decision not to you know, raise a lot of money and take months and months building something and then launch it. We really wanted to evolve into the market. Uh, that was based on a few assumptions. One is the market moves very, very quickly, and we didn't want to build something or build a product or a service that three months down the road would be obsolete or six months down the road would be obsolete. Yeah. Um, and I think some people fall into that trap in the crypto space where they raise a lot of capital, they take a year, year and a half to build something out. By the time they release that product or service, the market has evolved, either their problems are solved or the problem no longer exists. So 
you know, we built the company slowly and deliberately. We hired slowly and deliberately. We, we brought in some really good talent early. Um, and that's proven successful for us. We've been able to pivot when we needed to pivot. We've been able to keep our uh, investments to really a minimum and have been very successful just growing our products and, and responding to the evolution of the market as well as the evolution of client uh, demand and client problems. I want to dive into that a little more deeply. When you were when you were forming the company, what sorts of abilities and uh, or talents were you looking for in your co-founders, your first employees? Early on, we wanted some good quant experience because that's uh, my background and our background as a company. I really wanted to focus on quantitative trading and quantitative solutions to problems. So we hired a really strong um, quant by the name of Powerbank Supin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Powerbank has a great traditional financial experience. We also needed some good technology experience. So again, we tapped into some great traditional technology um, experience of Robbie uh, joined us really early on to help build out our infrastructure, build out a bunch of great trading systems for us, and really understood algorithms, algo execution, had some great experience in that space. And then after that, we really just needed people who were hungry, eager. We hired some people with some good crypto experience, um, understood what cryptos were, understood different protocols, um, and we just built it from there. Your firm, among other things, advises its clients on risk management and other important elements of trading that most trading firms in the institutional financial space tend to cover, but maybe in the digital asset space, it's still kind of maturing. So I wanted to tap into your knowledge and ask, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see people making when it comes to trading digital assets? You know, um, we saw early on that a lot of people in this space, a lot of companies in this space, raised capital and tokens, so they raised it in ETH or Bitcoin, a lot of their investors, and, and early on, people just wanted to stay long as assets, even though they had liabilities and dollars. So just some basic ideas around treasury management, capital management, risk management, clients have really evolved their thinking in this space, and most clients now take a more traditional approach where they appreciate the fact that even though they're in the crypto ecosystem, uh, they don't get a lot of upside by holding balance sheet or holding assets in crypto especially when they're paying out people in dollars and their their liabilities are in traditional fiat. So over time, clients have gotten more and more uh, comfortable or savvy just thinking about things from a traditional financial perspective, even if they've raised capital in uh, a cryptocurrency or multiple cryptocurrencies. What's it like working in digital asset trading in the U.S., the U.K., and Singapore? Those are all very different markets, obviously. Yeah, they are, and it's uh, been very interesting. So, uh, speaking initially about Asia, Asia is a much more of a uh, speculative market, um, driven much more by retail people and some hedge funds. Um, there is a lot of trading coming out of Asia, Korea, Japan, China, Hong Kong. Um, the U.S. market tends to be more, more institutional focused. Um, in terms of the technology, we're seeing a lot of technology coming out of Silicon Valley, obviously in California. Yeah. Uh, there's also some some of the traditional financial folks in New York and Northeast have evolved into crypto. Um, we're also seeing honestly, honestly some really cool technology coming out of Israel these days. Really, um, and then yeah, it's actually just uh, some of it is new technology, especially on the security side and the cryptography side. And in Europe, I would say there's 
probably more interest from the institutional level. Some of the family offices there have been more eager to dip their toe in the water um, more quickly than some of the U.S. institutional investors. In the U.S. as well, there's obviously a big push out of the Chicago area. A lot of the trading and high-frequency guys got into this space very early. You still see that um, continuing to grow and evolve. You see some higher-frequency guys coming out of the Hong Kong area as well. So the markets are just very, very different, and it's actually one thing that that I enjoy about the market. It's very organic. You know, it's not driven by big institutional players, big banks, big pension funds aren't the ones defining how the market evolves. It's really growing from the bottom up, which really makes it challenging at times, but for us, it makes it more interesting and more exciting. In terms of demand, what do you see? Is it, is it heating up at all? Is it pretty much remaining the way it was in 2018, 2017? No, we, we do see it heating up. I, I would say that the market, new entrants come to the market all the time. We are seeing, particularly among macro investors, that we're seeing those guys are, are more and more getting comfortable seeing Bitcoin in particular as an asset class, yeah. getting more comfortable putting a portion of the portfolio into crypto. And they tend to focus on sort of the top two or three uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, Bitcoin, I think, is 70% of the market-ish these days. Um, but we expect that trend to continue, and we think uh, it validates a lot of what we've been saying all along, that this is a new asset class. and. If you're a macro investor and want to have uncorrelated exposure, you know there's really a lot of lot to be said about taking some portion of your portfolio and putting it into into crypto. So, what's it like working with both banks and cryptocurrency firms? You know, it's it's interesting. There are a bunch of traditional banks now that are getting or are involved in the space and supporting people in our ecosystem. There are also people who are building new banks who are. Um, you know, seeking regulatory approval for a bank that can be specifically involved in the crypto space. And then there are people who are building decentralized banks. Um, so everyone's kind of coming at it from a different perspective. Uh, and it kind of gets back, gets back to my other point, which is a lot of it's just organic. Like there's a big push in de- decentralized finance. We're a big believer in that space. I think that space continues to grow. And I think um, they're going to really threaten traditional finance. And I think an interesting sidebar is with, um, you know, with, with all the talk around Libra and the new digital currency coming out, mm-hmm. uh, obviously that hit some regulatory hurdles, right? Yeah. But I would bet you that every major bank around the globe now has a stablecoin project going on. Because <laughs> that was a wake-up call to every major bank to say, wait a minute, Silicon Valley is going to start eating our lunch by taking in deposits in the form of a digital token. What are we doing in this space? How do we protect ourselves? And um, it, it really was a wake-up call for a lot of people. Yeah, sure, sure. Do you think decentralized finance or DeFi? Do you right. think it's Do you think it's going to change the structure of banks, or or the, or, or do you think that this is digital assets are going to be in on one side of the room, and then traditional finance pretty much remains as it has been on the other side? Do you think they could coexist? I think they'll have to coexist, and I think over time, 5, 10, 20 years, they're going to begin to come together. So, I, I, you know, for example, we're aware of foreign central banks that are in the process of issuing digital currency. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big evolution, right? And um, I think once that starts happening, things just start changing, right? And, and you know, once, you, once people feel more and more comfortable giving fiat and then representing that fiat in the tokenized form on their cell phone, 
I think it's going to be very, very interesting. That being said, there's a huge regulatory infrastructure here in the U.S. for good reason. There's FDIC insurance, there's all sorts of things that protect people who invest in banks or, or leave their deposits in banks. Those types of things don't exist in the crypto world, and I think over time you'll start seeing FDIC insured banks starting to issue digital tokens. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, and I think those, when you start getting some of the traditional regulatory protections in the crypto world or central banks start issuing crypto, um, digital tokens, I think that's where you'll see an acceleration of the overlap between the two different ecosystems. So what, what do you think between then and now, what do you think needs to happen? I think some of it is on the regulatory side where you need regulators to approve banks to issue digital representations of currency. Yeah. Um, I, I, I believe people are already looking into that in the U.S. So I know they're looking into that overseas. I think that will be a huge step. I think part of that also ties into the custody of what I was referring to just now is like digital dollars and digital currency, but also the digital asset side, right? So there's a lot of energy right now going into defining the requirements for custodying digital assets, mm-hmm. asset-backed tokens. Um, so I think, you know, the regulatory environment is evolving, will continue to evolve, but I think that's a very important step for broader adoption of both digital currencies and digital digitally represented assets. Um, and I think with that, you'll see just continued growth among people who are comfortable buying assets, transacting in assets, and holding assets in this space. Mm-hmm. Does JST Capital have any plans to potentially explore the custody space at all? That's our expertise, and I think honestly, the custody market at some point evolves. We think where just some of the big traditional custodians get into it. Like these guys have billions and trillion dollar balance sheets. We're never going to compete in that space. Okay. Um, that being said, there's some interesting people who are building really decentralized technology that will mimic the very similar thing the custodians are looking to build. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I still struggle to get my head around that a little bit, and we're talking to a lot of people who are building some tech in that space. But I think you could envision a world where some of custody is really represented in a contract that ensures your assets, mm-hmm. right? And I think some of these are really evolving. I think these are going to really regulatory um, framework is really going to struggle to keep up with these things. So the short, the short answer is. You know, I don't envision us ever being a custodian or we don't have the balance sheet on the traditional side, nor do we have the the experience on the, on the technology side that you're comfortable really custodying people's assets as a business. Mm-hmm. So the last thing I really wanted to ask you was, what is the most rewarding part of running a digital asset trading firm? You know, I, I think really working with smart people, both within our company, we've been very fortunate to hire good people, and on our client side, right? You're working with people who are really doing some cutting edge things and um, just being able to get in a room with them, brainstorm, find solutions. And we've pride ourselves on being very creative and very um, uh, disciplined in how we approach problem solving. Um, We do some really interesting things for our clients, and that's fun for us, right? So sitting in a room with some smart people who are really trying to innovate and do some neat stuff and helping them to figure out ways to manage their risk, ways to improve their risk-adjusted returns in a market that's evolving is, is, it's a lot of fun. 
And I think that's been the biggest, or, or those two things have been the biggest uh, areas of enjoyment for me and for, I think, for, for us as a company. Well, Scott, uh, thank you so much for talking with me today. I've learned a lot, and hopefully our listeners have too. And we really appreciate you coming on to the show. Well, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. For more news, videos, and podcasts like this, head over to johnlothiannews.com.